when people come to us and they bring that up, we really consult with them to find out what's your background? What are your skills? What are your transferable skills into running a business? And the reason franchising offers so much is, first of all, there's franchising in every imaginable business area you can think of. And at many different levels of investment from less than $100,000 to, of course, several million dollars for big box restaurants and things of that nature. Alan has started and grown several multi-million dollar businesses. His mission is to help you do the same. Welcome to the Business Growth Pod, building the future one entrepreneur at a time. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Alan. I'm a family man, an attorney, and an entrepreneur. Each week, we provide resources and advice to help build your business. Are you ready? Then let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Business Growth Pod. I'm your host, Alan Draper. Excited for another weekly episode. Today, we're going to be talking about franchises. And this issue has come up for me personally recently. I got pitched with a business partner, a franchise idea that I'm actively pursuing at the moment. So perfect timing to record this because I have all sorts of questions. My guest today is Rick Robinson. Rick is the owner and president of Franchise Genesis. And check this out. He's been a franchise executive for almost four decades. His experience includes being a franchisor running five different brands, both startups and turnarounds, as well as owning a large multi-unit master franchise with 230 franchisees doing 19 million in annual revenue. And his resume goes on. Welcome to the show, Rick. Glad to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So as I said in my introduction, I somebody came to me and you know thinking about they w- want to partner with me to follow this franchise concept. It's just in the beginning stages, but it's such an interesting idea. And I think for me, because I've started multiple businesses, over 20 now, some of them related, some of them sister companies, but I understand the value of having that direction, those templates, the marketing, the protocols, the hiring systems, all of that. There is extreme value. I used to think of franchises as like, oh, okay, that's like second tier. But now that I understand what goes into building a business, I get it. What makes franchising so successful is you have proven systems in place, plus an executive team to help coach you and mentor you to help ensure your success which is why I don't know what percentage it is, but it's over 50% of all franchises purchased are first-time business owners. They've never owned businesses before. Most people dream of owning a business, but they get scared when it comes down to writing that check, where franchising gives them the courage to jump from the corporate rat race because they have all these proven systems they've already figured out, a proven business model, hopefully some branding, and you have the coaching and mentoring of the executive team there at the corporate office, the, the franchisor. I think the goods of getting into a franchise and frankly, of being a franchisor also, I think the goods are really clear, right? Especially if you're a franchisee, you know, having that mentorship, having that direction, knowing, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they get into something and they don't know what they don't know, which can be a blessing in some cases because 
you know, I always say that if I knew what I know now, I may have not started my first business <laughs> because I understand the amount of work that goes into it. But the benefits are fairly clear, especially with systems, especially for somebody like me that knows how much I'm still working on systems. My first startup was almost eight years ago, and it's a thriving business, growing like crazy. We do about 180 times so previous year revenue. So we grow at 1.8 times year over year on average, and we're still fine-tuning some things. So there's clear benefits. I know this might be a little weird, but let's start by talking about what are the things that people should be weary of when considering a franchise? Well, some of the things that you want to make sure you're very clear with when you're talking with the franchisor and you're going through their franchise disclosure document is having a really good understanding of what are all of the upfront startup costs to get the, the doors open, make sure there's nothing hidden there. Secondly, we get into protected territories. Most franchise systems give the franchisees some kind of a protected territory to ensure that they're not going to sell another franchise right up the street from them and, and mm. compete with them. So you want to be very clear about all of those parameters. Also, you want to make sure you talk with some existing franchisees that have gone through training, gone through support, and you know vet the system. You want validators. You want people who are going to validate the model, the training, and the support that's there. So all of that is supposed to be provided by every franchisor, so you should not have any trouble unless they're a new emerging franchisor and they may not have any franchisees yet for you to speak with. You know, I have a friend that he got involved in a franchise. He created the first franchise store. There was one corporate store and then he created the first franchise store. And I'm just going to be honest, it was a very different experience than he had expected. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you think franchise and all of these benefits of having the systems and answers, and he's had to figure out so much by himself. I don't know that his location that he ended up choosing, and this is a food service. I don't know that his location was right. And in food service, I think that's 90% of the battle. And how does somebody that's going into a franchise, especially an early franchise, Rick, how do they know? what guarantees are going to be in getting the support that they need? Well, I would say most of the time, an early stage franchisor almost overdoes the support. They smother them with support. They're so scared about being this new franchise system. They want to make sure their early franchisees are very, very successful. That's usually what happens. However, there can be a case and we coach, you know, I'm in the process Currently, this business, we franchise businesses. We take an existing business and we turn them into a franchise. And one of the things that the owners of this this business struggle with is shifting away from running their day-to-day operations at their corporate location to now my main responsibility is to find, sell, train, and coach and mentor existing franchisees. And sometimes they go back and forth too much and they have trouble. They struggle with pulling away from running their day-to-day operations. So they have to be ready to do that. Have someone in place that's going to take over their day-to-day responsibilities of their corporate location so they can focus on supporting the franchisees. Focusing a little bit on the franchisors, how does a business know when it's ready to be a franchisor? It's funny. People ask me that all the time. How do you know that I'm franchisable? And I say, well, there's really a few questions that can answer this. Are you currently running a profitable business? Mm -hmm. Two, 
is the model you're running at least close to the one you want to franchise so that you have an operating unit that you can show one that's at least very close to the one they're going to be purchasing. Three, is there a large customer base for whatever your products or services are across the country? So when you sell franchises, that they have a large customer base to draw from. And then lastly, is it a teachable model? Whatever this business model you have, can you teach someone else how to run it? And you only need one location. It's always better if you've already opened multiple locations and you've proven you can open multiple locations. However, one location is fine. So if you've answered yes to all of those, it's profitable, it's running pretty much like the franchise model I envision selling. And is there a large customer base for my franchisees to sell to? And can I teach someone else how to do it? It's probably franchisable. It's funny because, and I've been approached to franchise some of my businesses. I've been asked by potential franchisees if I would franchise. And I've also, I've had customers that asked if what I was operating was a a franchise. But I feel like, and maybe it's just me, but I feel like you have to be, there's this like stigma or there's a thought process of business owners that they have to be dang near perfect in order to be a franchisor. Like, or your systems have to be bulletproof, vendors, relationships, all of that, just everything. And so for me personally, it would be hard to get to that point because I'm like, man, we're still figuring things out ourselves, you know? That's a very common question. I get that all the time. And I tell them, I said, first of all, you know more than you realize it's just up in your head. And we have to help you put these systems on paper and the processes on paper. Now, our process to turn someone into a franchise takes about four months. So we work very closely with the company to help put those processes in place so that they feel much more secure about that moving forward. But I also tell them, I said, it's, it's a slow process. Selling your first one or two franchises is usually very difficult because everyone wants to talk to an existing franchisee that you've already mm-hmm. trained and supported. So after our four-month period, oftentimes it's several more months before you're finally getting through some of the candidates and finding that one that you think would make a great franchise partner. So you have quite a bit of time to help fine-tune them, but they don't have to be perfect. You can continue to work on them. And your first franchisees are your trailblazers anyway. They're going to help you realize some of the things that you need to change and systems to put in place. I think that's a really great aspect of this from the viewpoint of a franchisor is I'm a really big proponent of listening to my customers. A lot of people think that customers are annoying. And when they complain, like they just want to, you know, just move on from that customer. And I'm kind of the opposite. I think... Now, there are definitely customers out there, the proverbial Karens that they'll complain about anything and whatever. But some of the best changes that I've made in business came as a result of listening to our customers. And I think that having franchisees, because they a franchisee is a franchisor's customer, right? I mm-hmm. think that is a great way to develop the business and create ideas and you know this incubator of improving any corporate stores that exist. Absolutely. Franchisees come forward with many great ideas, whether it be new customer verticals, changes to menus, things of that nature. So they they come up with a lot of great ideas that then the franchisor will put into the operations manual to help benefit all of the future franchisees that come down. You know, it's interesting. So one of my businesses, we have 10 locations across eight states, everywhere from Reno, Nevada to Long Island, New York. and I think this process, and we're not considering franchising it, but 
I think that just the process would be very, very insightful going through this process of, Hey, these are the things that you would have to do to make it franchisable, like getting all of our protocols and getting everything clear and down on paper and organized. And I think that would be profitable to any business just with this perspective of, because we always think when we're developing systems, we always think like, Hey, how do we create this system as simple as possible and therefore as efficient as possible? And if you're thinking about it in terms of teaching other people, I think that's a natural byproduct. Yes, it is. You know, it's like when we teach our our new franchisors, I say in the training process of teaching your franchisees how to run this business model, we tell them you want to make the training program aimed at probably the least skilled person you might sell a franchise to. Because you're going to get some superstars that come in there that maybe even come from your industry. But you need to be able to teach anyone that the least skilled you think you would sell a franchise to how to run this business. Now, they don't have to be perfect at everything because they're going to be hiring employees that might have more experience in some of the aspects of it. But yeah, that's very important. You know, Getting back to your point, the reason most business owners don't get beyond three or at max five locations is because they're dealing every day with employee issues, turnover, customer problems, all of those things that franchising doesn't deal with. When you're a franchisor, you are coaching and mentoring other business owners. They are the ones dealing with the day-to-day employee issues. These are business owners that care more about running their location. They run them more profitably than employees or managers would. And liability. You know, when you own those other locations, if anything happens on that job site, whether it be injury, whether it be fire and flood, sexual harassment, theft, it all falls back onto you because you own that branch location where a franchisee will have their own insurance covering them for anything that might possibly happen at their location. When does a franchisor or a prospective franchisor or somebody that's just considering becoming a franchisor, at what point do they start talking to people? about being potential franchisees, even something like, yeah, I'm I'm kicking around the idea. Is this something you would be interested if we get to that point? Would you recommend that? Or do you wait till it's all said and done? So first of all, what often brings them to us is they've had family members, friends, or customers ask them, are you a franchise? Or you should be. Boy, I wish we had one like you back at my hometown. And that gets them thinking about it. So When they sign up with us, we tell them, you know, we have four months before you're going to be a legal franchisor. If we play our cards right, you start letting everyone know on social media, your customers, you're going to be offering franchises within, you know, a few months. And if things go well, you might have one or two people ready to sign up and be your first franchisees right out of the gate. So you just can't talk about financial numbers, revenues, and profits until you actually have your legal documents put together. It's called a franchise disclosure document, FDD for short. Once you have that, then you're allowed to talk with them more about actual revenues and projected profits. That's interesting. I think that, you know, coming from kind of this entrepreneurial standpoint, right? Somebody that wants to start a business, somebody that wants to start a business that they don't even know necessarily what type of business to start, right? And it's their first business. I can kind of hear the murmurings of them saying, yeah, but I kind of wanted to create something. What would you say to them, Rick? Well, first of all, 
you know, there's a reason that it's a much smaller percentage of our population that are business owners and entrepreneurs than people that are working for them. Most people think about, you know, owning a business, but not everyone has the makeup to really, you know, launch and scale a business. So when people come to us and they bring that up, we really consult with them to find out what's your background? What are your skills? What are your transferable skills into running a business? And the reason franchising offers so much is, first of all, there's franchising in every imaginable business area you can think of and at many different levels of investment from less than $100,000 to, of course, several million dollars for big box restaurants and things of that nature. So there's almost always something for them in buying a business, but going into a franchise model with having that added support. And what's interesting is probably 75% of the time they end up buying a business that they would never thought of. It's something totally different. You know, I'll have people come to me and they'll say, well, Rick, whatever business I buy, I have to be passionate about that. And I said, you're not buying a hobby. (laughs) You want to buy a good business that will give you the lifestyle you want to be passionate about. And so we coach them into that and we'll show them brands and models that they would have never thought of. And they'll get into businesses that shock them, that they never <laughs> thought they would buy that kind of a business. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I think it stems from, I think Steve Jobs gets a lot of credit for being the follow your passions and you'll never work a day in your yeah. life or whatever. You hear it all the time. Right. Yeah. And it's like, my first business, Rick, was pest control. Yeah. Killed bugs. And I've done very, very well. My partners have done well. We've built a great business. It's not the sexiest business you could think of, right? Killing bugs, killing roaches, right? Yeah. And not really a passion of mine. I'm not an entomologist. I love the industry. Don't get me wrong. I've learned to love it. But my passion wasn't in like trying to build some type of a hobby slash business. My passion was the business itself. Yeah. regardless right. of what we sold. Right. So I agree with that 100%. Yeah. I mean, I'm passionate about fishing, but I'm sure not going to start up a boat charter business, right? And then it becomes work. Well, I so my first career, I was in television advertising sales. So I worked for a couple of different television stations. All my friends thought that I was had the coolest, sexiest job and I'm meeting celebrities and this and that. It's never like you think it is. And then they find out that I'm going into franchising. And my when I went into franchising in 1984, it was commercial cleaning, janitorial services. And they were picturing me cleaning toilets, running a mop, emptying waste baskets. I said, I'm a marketing company that just happens to be in commercial cleaning. And so there's money and dirt, you know, all of the tough businesses, somebody has to do it. And usually they're businesses that almost every person or every business needs. So there's a huge customer base for it. You know, what's funny is that I think the advice that your job become your passion is a lot better, you know, comment or advice to follow than saying that your passion should become your job. Yeah. It's going to give you the lifestyle that you want to be passionate about. Yeah, exactly. That being said, how does somebody get some direction about what type of franchise to pursue? If it's not like something that you're necessarily passionate about, what's that first step in saying, you know, okay, maybe it should be along food service or, you know, something else. Well, a lot of it has to do with their background. What's your skill set? Like there are certain franchises that are very outbound sales oriented. 
And you know, if you come from an operational background or an engineering background, you're not going to succeed at that. They've never sold anything. They've never managed salespeople. They've never trained salespeople. So your background has a lot to do with that. However, people who come from sales backgrounds, they can fit into a lot of different, I'd say they're more flexible than type of business models they can fit into because almost any business selling is a part of it. But if you don't come from a sales background, then you're going to probably not do well in those types of businesses unless you have a business partner that comes from that background. So we really analyze with them, what's your background? What are your goals? What kind of lifestyle you're looking for? Then, of course, then we get into deal killers, right? There's some really good businesses out there that are really difficult. Let's talk about emergency services, restoration. You're talking getting calls at two o'clock in the morning because someone's pipe broke and you're running your business seven days a week. That might be a deal killer for you. You might not want to have retail hours. You might not want to have a staff of 10 or more people. You might want to stay home-based. There's so many different avenues that we can take them down. Once we know a lot more about them, then we can start offering options to them. And then we set them up to talk with the actual franchise or the executive, the owners, to learn, get into much more details about what that model offers. What are some of the less commonly known franchises that the general public would be surprised to learn how well they perform? Boy, yeah. I mean, there's some businesses out there with incredible profit margins that you've never heard of. Give me an example. So we are franchising a company right now. We'll probably have them ready and legal in about another month. And it is speech therapy for autistic children. That's it. They have three locations now, and they have a waiting list a mile long. The parents pay $2,500 a week for their children to go to the school. And they have a waiting list a mile long. Now, much of that is paid by the government, all right? But you can imagine, it's a very small staff. You only need two students in the school, you know, $2,500 per student. That's $25,000 a week, (laughs) these numbers start to add up really quick Mm. with a very small staff. Only one person on your staff has to have some special certifications as a teacher for these children. So there's a variety of them out there that are very different. That's why I tell people, if you do have a really serious interest in any particular industry, there's probably something there that you would really enjoy. I mean, you know, boutique fitness has exploded over the years. Orange Theory showed what that could be all about. I mean, I remember one that came out that I did not think was going to be a good franchise called the Stretch Lab. You walk in and it looks like a bunch of massage tables, but it's just you get really stretched, you know, with a one-on-one trainer. They have well over 100 franchises across the country now. It's incredible. I have a friend that he opened a franchise location for the joint. It's a chiropractor. Chiropractor, yes. And I think what's interesting, especially from the business standpoint, is I think that most people think of franchises in terms of food service, you know, some retail, but mostly, yeah. you know, at least I do. But I think there's they're an on opportunity. Main Street USA, they're on television. Yeah. yeah, people don't know a lot about the service businesses. Yeah. And so I think there's an opportunity there for a pretty big play, just getting into something like, and I don't know if there's a speech therapy for autistic children franchise already, but it seems like I would be surprised. I, I don't know yeah. of one. There is not. It seems like a that would be a good, like fairly high ceiling type play to just kind of do some research and find out, hey, what industry, what area is there not a franchise that could possibly become one, right? Right. Are there areas that 
you would recommend not franchising? Well, like I mentioned earlier, if, if you don't have a fairly large customer base across most metropolitan areas that you can sell franchises in and they have customers to sell the products or services to, it probably wouldn't work. You know, there's certain types of businesses that licensing is better, where you're selling a product and they're reselling it under their name. That's where licensing works. Licensing, most of the time, is not the option you want to go with. You have less control. You cannot force them to use your brand name. And very quickly, you become in violation of Federal Trade Commission laws because they don't care what you call something. It's how you're treating them. And most of the time, licensors are treating licensees like franchisees and they're in violation. And you just don't have the control, the quality control over them like you do in franchising. Gotcha. Well, this has been fantastic. Very eye-opening. And I'm kind of interested in franchises being on both sides of the table. So this has been fantastic. Rick, where can people go to learn more about what you guys are doing at Franchise Genesis and just learn more about you? Sure. So our website is FranchiseGenesis.com. If you want to contact me personally, my email is rickr at FranchiseGenesis.com and reach out to us and we'll talk to you about either franchising the existing business that you have or finding you an excellent franchise to invest in. I love it. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Rick, and we wish you nothing but success in the future. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a rating. And for daily inspiration and business tips, follow Alan on Instagram. Until next time, remember, we build the future one entrepreneur at a time. Thank you.